welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, January 25th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Thank you and good afternoon to everyone and want to thank you for joining us here at our press briefing. Uh, earlier today, you may have heard that Governor Gavin Newsom lifted the regional stay-at-home orders for Southern California, the San Joaquin Valley, and the Bay Area. This decision is based on projections of ICU bed capacity four weeks from now. And I'm grateful to this announcement and the hard work of our residents who have helped us get to this point where we can provide some small businesses with relief. Los Angeles County will essentially align with the state by the end of the week to allow for the reopening of permitted activities under the purple tier. This will include outdoor dining. And Dr. Barbara Ferrer can go into more details in terms of the timing and safeguards which will be instituted. But please don't take this news to mean that you can return to life of normalcy. Mass physical distancing and limiting activities are still key to getting out of this pandemic until we can get everybody vaccinated. We are not in the clear, we're still in the purple tier, which is the most restrictive. The Super Bowl, as you know, is coming up and we've seen what happens when other sporting events take place and when people gather in each other's homes. Please resist that urge. But I wanna underscore the hardship our local businesses, the engine of our economy have endured during these past months. There are people behind the cash registers. There are cooks, food servers at restaurants and small business owners. These are the real life hardships our residents have endured during the last months of this unprecedented surge. But the situation, as you know, can change overnight. Like we've seen before, more restrictions may be needed if the variance and non-compliance lead to more transmission and more hospitalizations. With the vaccine getting into the arms of residents, I hope that we can beat this virus before any variant takes hold. But we need to be vigilant and always do what is best for our residents. While we continue to wait for more vaccines to come, our actions still matter a great deal in taking down the infections in the County of Los Angeles. I wanna urge our residents who have received the first dose of the vaccine to continue to wear their masks, stay home when possible, and practice physical distancing. Full immunity does not occur until at least a week after your second dose. And even then, wearing a mask is still critical until we get a large percentage of the population vaccinated. On Friday, 101 health service patients, 65 years of age and older, received their first dose of the vaccine at LAC USC Medical Center. And I was so glad to be there to witness firsthand such beautiful moments, at times bringing me to tears. I met several residents, many who live in my district, representing areas such as East Los Angeles, Bell, Southgate, and even as far as Valinda and West Covina. Many were hitching a ride with family members and traveling by bus just to get immunized. 
I met an 82-year-old woman in line pushing her son who uses a wheelchair and was so in awe of her resilience. An 87-year-old woman was crying with joy after receiving her vaccine, telling me, que Dios te bendiga, God bless you. I also was grateful to meet a 67-year-old man who was a cook at a local small business and shared that he took three buses to get to LAC USC so that he too could receive a dose of hope. These were the kinds of stories that I had hoped to hear after signing an executive order to expand the eligibility to include residents 65 and older. The sense of relief that was communicated to my office was palatable. Other adults have been disproportionately impacted by the virus, so it's a matter of equity to prioritize them in the vaccine rollout. And I also recognize that the appointments are currently limited. This is because we still don't have enough supplies to meet the enormous demand. However, we should not let perfection be the enemy of good. The technical issues we know can be fixed, and we're working with the state and our partners in the federal government who are now all aligned with the same mission to streamline the process. The county, along with many partners, have ramped up our infrastructure and are ready to receive more doses to vaccinate a lot more people. And I'm advocating directly to the new president of the United States, Joe Biden, to send more vaccine doses to Los Angeles County, as we are one of the hardest hit counties in the country. Furthermore, I'm asking the president to prioritize Los Angeles County in rolling out the community vaccination centers, which will be supported by FEMA. We need those vaccination centers here in the county, particularly in districts like mine where the highest rates of COVID are occurring. And if you're a licensed clinical professional, your service is needed now more than ever. We have opened mass vaccination sites around the county, including, to name a few, Dodger Stadium and the Pomona Fairplex, which are vaccinating thousands of people each day. Clinical roles are available for everyone who wants to volunteer their time to assist in this massive effort. To volunteer in a clinical role, you must be someone who's permitted by the licensing board within the state of California to administer vaccinations to humans via an intramuscular injection. Please visit appointments.lacounty.gov slash vaccine staffing for more information on how to get involved. We want to thank you in advance for your service. Our communities are grasping for relief, and I fully recognize the economic impact these restrictions will cause. This is why I'm committed to leverage all the county resources to address the economic pain, and I'm optimistic that the release of the president, president's first COVID relief plan will provide us with sufficient support to return our economy back to better health as well. We need to end this pandemic once and for all. In the coming weeks, as you know, we will launch the 2021 Rent Relief Program and Small Business Stabilization Loan Program right here in Los Angeles County. And with another federal COVID relief package on the horizon, we hope to roll out even more programs and services to help those most impacted by this pandemic. COVID has become a silent killer for many of us, and we see people go into the hospital and disappear. We must come together and defeat this virus as soon as possible. I want to thank all of you, and I now would like uh, to take this opportunity to introduce the director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Barbara Ferrer.
Oh, thank you so much, uh, Supervisor Solis. Uh, I wish to offer our gratitude and our thanks to you and all of the supervisors for your leadership and many efforts to help us save lives during this unprecedented pandemic. We look forward to our combined efforts to end the pandemic and to keep efforts uh, up so that we'll get more vaccines into LA County. I do wanna now take some time and offer some updates. Um, so please bring up the first slide. Um, I wanna start by recognizing that tomorrow, January 26th, will mark the one year anniversary of when we reported the first case of a COVID-19 infection here in LA County. And I wanna thank everyone who lives and works in our county for being with us along this road of uh, really uh, striving to both contain uh, the pandemic and uh, to allow us to recover our economy. I also wanna extend my deepest thanks and appreciation to the entire team at the Department of Public Health uh, that started working on containment and mitigation strategies uh, back in January and have continued every single day uh, giving their all uh, to helping us all be safe um, and in fact, uh, healthy. Uh, I do wanna note that uh, since uh, January 26th, we've witnessed the horrific impact of this coronavirus on millions of lives in our county. COVID-19 has resulted in the tragic loss of more than 15,000 people. Tens of thousands have battled this disease and many are experiencing lingering health impacts. Our healthcare system has been pushed to its limits. The virus has also exposed continuing inequities and in access to health affirming resources across LA County for our residents. And it showed the many challenges that residents are facing to protect themselves and their families under the pressure of maintaining their jobs. Economic devastation was experienced by tens of thousands as decisions to protect health and save lives shut down businesses and curtailed activities. Today, the virus remains very much with us and continues to infect thousands of people daily and tragically claim hundreds of lives each week. While there's hope with the arrival of vaccines, we are still months away from a point where most of our residents will be immunized against this very aggressive virus. As we look forward to having more vaccines available, we must continue to remain safe and keep taking those daily steps that we know protect ourselves and protect others. Please always wear your face coverings, avoid gatherings, maintain physical distancing, wash hands, and follow the rules at businesses and work sites. Now, let me offer our current numbers. And I'll take the next slide. But we're sad to report today, 46 additional people have passed away, which unfortunately brings the total number of deaths to 15,303 in LA County. This number is very low because of a lag in reporting from the weekend. As you may recall, last week, we had been reporting about 200 deaths a day. And unfortunately, we expect the distressing high numbers of deaths will remain with us for a while. 11 people who died were over the age of 80. 16 people who died were between the ages of 65 and 79. Nine people who died were between the ages of 50 and 64. One person who passed away was between the ages of 30 and 49. 
to anyone who's mourning the loss of a loved one or a family member, a friend, or a coworker, we offer our deepest sympathies. You remain in our thoughts and in our prayers. We're reporting 6,642 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 1,079,369. These cases include 46,281 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 9,776 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. 6,486 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and 25% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. 22% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 4,618 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, there's 1,632 sites that have an ongoing outbreak investigation and 2,986 sites uh, have their investigations closed. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is now 84,891. And this includes both staff and residents. 35,390 of the confirmed cases are among residents and 49,501 are among staff. To date, over 5.3 million people have been tested and had test results reported here in LA County. And the cumulative positivity rate is 19%. I'll take the next slide. Thank you. This updated graph of cases by episode date shows a continued decline in cases recently. The seven-day average number of daily cases peaked on January 8th with more than 15,000 cases. As of January 20th, that average dropped in half to 7,328 daily cases. We are still experiencing a lot of transmission. At the height of our summer surge last year, our average uh, case count peak, peaked at below 3,000. And when that surge began last summer, we were reporting less than 1,000 new cases every day. This is where we need to head to continue to slow transmissions and begin to see real recovery in LA County. Next slide. This chart, we'll take the next slide. Oh yeah, you got it, thanks. This chart shows the past seven day average of our daily positivity rate. As of January 20th, the average positivity rate was 12.9%, down from the peak of about 20% at the start of the new year. A decline in a positivity testing rate is a very promising side, sign. But this number still tells the story that far too many people are becoming infected with COVID. These numbers serve as an all too vivid reminder that the virus is strong, it's everywhere, and it can infect anyone that isn't taking precautions. We'll take the next slide. We'll take the next slide. This graph offers another potentially promising side. Slide, sign, hang on one second. Can we get the next slide? Well, hopefully that slide will come up shortly. Um, this is a graph of hospitalizations. Uh, uh, when it comes to the number of people with COVID-19 who are so sick that they require hospitalizations, we reached a peak of about 8,000 average daily hospitalizations on January 8th. As of January 21st, I'm really glad to be able to report 
uh, that there were 7,072 average daily hospitalizations. And in these recent days, the total number of people in hospitals with COVID-19 has dropped below 7,000. We are headed in the right direction. However, these numbers remain very high and they continue to strain the healthcare system. We know that between 10 and 12% of all people that are positive with COVID-19 will end up hospitalized. So the lower our case numbers go, the less people will end up being hospitalized. I'm wondering if I can get the slide that shows the death trend. I'm sorry, folks, there seems to be a problem with the slides, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the trend uh, without the slide. Um, our slide on, on that shows the trend on deaths is also potentially uh, promising, uh, but it does tell the very telling story of the elevated number of people that are still dying from COVID-19. The average number of daily deaths from COVID peaked at the beginning of the month. And our latest data shows that the daily average has now dropped to slightly uh, under 160 deaths uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of January 20th. Um, however, we are still, as many of you know, reporting many days with more than 200 deaths. Uh, and it's highly likely that we'll continue to see a high number of deaths for a few weeks to come. Earlier this month, I was sad to report a milestone of 12,000 deaths from COVID-19. And tragically, it didn't take us long to report that we now have reached the grim milestone of 15,000 deaths over this past weekend. While we're hopeful that with cases and hospitalizations declining, uh, we will eventually see a more death, less deaths uh, for the next uh, few days, the fact, um, for the next few weeks, the fact remains that thousands more LA County residents will die from COVID-19. This is an extremely deadly virus and we can't turn our back on it. Not now, not next month, and not for the next several months. The virus is still claiming more lives every single day. It's a tragedy, but it's one we get an opportunity to turn around. Every action we take to protect others ends up saving lives. Every action we take that puts others or us at risk ends up contributing to more illness and more heartache. See if we can get the next slide, which is an update on vaccine doses. Um, so this table is actually providing us with a quick snapshot on vaccine doses uh, in LA County. Um, and because the slide's not up, I'm just gonna take a minute um, to report out uh, the information on the slide. Um, as of January 12th, uh, we had received and distributed to vaccination sites 685,075 doses of vaccine. This is both Pfizer and Moderna vaccine. We administered uh, based on surveys that are turned back from us uh, from each of the facilities where they're vaccinating, 525,747 doses of vaccine. Um, this means that about 76% of all doses we have on hand were in people's arms. I do wanna note that at any given moment in time, there is always a certain amount of doses that are either in transit as they're being redistributed to our more than 200 sites across the county, or they're being used at these sites 
uh, for appointments uh, in the upcoming week. Thank you. Um, the second part of this slide shows the cumulative doses that we've been, that have been shipped to LA County. As you can see in our third column, our weekly shipments are significantly lower than what we need. Our ability to vaccinate people in LA County remains very constrained by supplies. And as I noted before, many of the doses that are arriving now need to be used to make sure that people who need their second dose of the vaccine are able to get their second doses. Uh, we received another shipment last week in the middle of the week of another 168,000 doses. That brings the total to date that we've received 853,650 doses. Every week we'll be able to update the, the, the site here so that you'll be able to see how many of those 853,000 doses that we had received last week also went into the arms of a, a person that was eligible to get vaccinated by the end of the week. I'll take the next slide. This map shows the locations of vaccination sites throughout the county with scheduled vaccination appointments. We have an extensive network with pharmacies, federally qualified health centers, hospital, health clinics, and community vaccination sites, including six large capacity sites, some managed by the city of LA and some managed by our county. As you can see from this map, we have uh, over 180 sites uh, that are open this week for vaccinations. Um, our partnerships with cities, schools, businesses, labor unions, and healthcare providers will allow us to build out an even more expansive network so that when more vaccine doses arrive, we are immediately ready to get those doses into the arms of eligible residents. I'll take the next slide. I also want to announce that LA County's COVID-19 vaccine website, vaccinatelacounty.com, has incorporated the state of California's new appointment registration platform, which is called the My Turn Registration System. This addition features a streamlined process for residents eligible to receive the vaccine. There's an added function on our website with this site that quickly lets residents know if they're currently eligible, and if they are eligible, it can help them find and book appointments that are available in their area. The My Turn site will also alert people who register to when appointments open up or when vaccinations are opening up for additional priority groups. Currently, the My Turn site will make appointments at our, far, at our five large capacity sites, as well as the two other county-operated uh, community vaccination sites. Appointments for all the other locations, our pharmacies, our clinics, our federally qualified health centers, are also available on our website, vaccinatelacounty.com. That remains a one-stop portal for all appointments. Uh, if you need an appointment at one of the large capacity sites run by the county, you'll be directed to my turn. Otherwise, for all other appointments, I will direct you to the registration uh, program that's available for folks uh, wanting to register. I do want to note that at this point, there are no more appointments at the county sites uh, through the end of this week. Uh, we hope to add more appointments for Saturday and Sunday. So please go on to the website register so you can get an alert on when new appointments become available. And for those of you who don't have internet uh, access, 
or you're struggling uh, with the computer, we do have a call center. Uh, the number for that is 833-530-0473. I do want to note that we're asking that if you do have internet access and a computer, please use the online registration system. Uh, it's much faster. Um, we have a lot of calls, tens of thousands of calls coming into the call center, which makes it harder for us to actually schedule appointments through the call center. We really do need this phone line to be reserved for people who don't have a computer or don't have internet access. Uh, I'll take the next slide. Uh, as we heard this morning and we heard from Supervisor Solis earlier, Governor, Governor Newsom has rescinded the state's regional stay-at-home order and has returned all counties to the color-coded tier system uh, here uh, uh, across the state. Uh, LA County remains in the purple tier, and as many of you remember, that is the most restrictive tier because we still have a lot of community transmission. With this cancellation of the regional stay-at-home order, the LA County Health Officer Order that was issued on November 25th is now in effect until we issue a new Health Officer Order on Friday this week, which will more fully align with the sector openings that are permitted in the purple tier. This slide does show though, with the health officer order uh, that's now in effect, what's open or open with limitations. As you can see, private gatherings are now allowed with two other households. They must be outside only and a maximum of 15 people. All businesses that are reopening for outdoor activities are capped at a 50% maximum occupancy. This includes outdoor activities at family entertainment centers, card rooms, and recreational sites. Personal care services can open indoors at 25% capacity, with everyone always wearing a face covering. No services can be provided that require either an employee or a person uh, who is a customer uh, that requires them to remove their face covering. This current health officer order is now posted on our website. On Friday, as I noted, we'll issue a new health officer order that allows for restaurants to reopen for outdoor dining with occupancy limits and masking requirements for all staff. We will also on Friday rescind the hours of operation restrictions for non-essential businesses between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. In order to prevent another increase in cases that leads us back to more restrictions, as sectors reopen, we strongly encourage everyone to make sure we're following every single protocol that's in place and to keep doing what we know will help reduce transmissions. That's uh, that really is uh, wearing that face covering, maintaining physical distancing, making sure there are no crowds, and using the best infection control possible. If you're at high risk for serious disease from COVID-19, we do continue to strongly recommend that you stay home as much as possible. And for others, even though there are these reopenings, and by Friday, restaurants will also have reopened uh, with safety modifications for outdoor dining, uh, this is not the time for people to think uh, we can get back to uh, our normal businesses and our normal ways of interacting with each other. If we're not careful, 
uh, our metrics that are headed in the right direction will quickly change. So please do your part to allow us to move forward with careful reopenings while we remain laser focused on trying to continue to slow the spread. Thank you. And I'll now turn it over to Dr. Galley for her comments. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Today, I'll provide a very brief update about COVID-19 response within the Department of Health Services and the hospitals, and also just touch briefly on testing. All hospitals across Los Angeles County still are very busy caring for patients with COVID, but thankfully, the numbers have been declining over the past week. They're doing so, however, at a slow pace. DHS, for our four public hospitals this morning, we had 431 patients with COVID hospitalized. The capacity within the ICUs or the intensive care units is declining more slowly than those patients who are receiving services at other levels of care, like step down or med surge. This is a finding that's seen not just within DHS, but is reflected in the overall hospitalization numbers. Within DHS, just under half, currently 45%, of all of our inpatients right now have COVID. However, we still are at a situation in which three quarters, 75%, of all of those within the ICU have COVID-19. Even with the decline in hospitalizations, hospitals across the county are caring for more COVID patients today than they were at earlier phases of the pandemic, and it still is a cause for concern across hospitals across the board. To help support hospitals through these difficult times, the state has opened two surge facilities in Los Angeles County to accept patients from hospitals that are very seriously impacted by COVID-19 patients. The first of those, Pacifica Hospital of the Valley in Sun Valley, has 155 beds available, and the second, Pacific Gardens Medical Center in Hawaiian Gardens, has 108 beds available. The facilities are both open and are accepting patients, and they offer care at multiple levels of care. The state will be providing staff for both facilities, and the facilities accept patients regardless of payer status. They also accept both patients with COVID and those without. Hospitals who need to transfer patients will put in requests through the Medical Alert Center, also called the MAC. This is part of the county's EMS agency. Transfers will be prioritized based on the hospital's needs, with a priority given for those hospitals that are more severely impacted. Things taken into consideration include things such as staffing shortages, multiple ambulances that are waiting to offload patients, or full inpatient beds. I want to extend my thanks to the state as well as to, to these two particular hospital CEOs and their entire teams for all the hard work that went into opening these two sites. Please remember that while the hospital numbers are declining, the hospitals are still in the thick of navigating this surge. Many hospitals are still short of staffing. They're relying on contract and registry nurses or relying on nurses sent in from the state or the federal government. We are still relying on these alternative care sites and many hospitals are still using team-based care models. And hospitals still have not been able to ramp up the non-essential procedures and surgeries, effectively asking those with non-urgent or non-emergent issues to wait longer for the care that they need. Given this, please, even as the restrictions start to be lifted, take seriously your responsibility to protect the lives of those around you. All of our choices continue to have consequences throughout this pandemic. 
The gradual reopening of the economy is very important, but we need to rely on everyone making community-focused decisions for how we conduct ourselves when outside of our homes. Please wear a mask. Please limit and be careful when interacting with those outside of your household, according to the guidance that Dr. Ferrer just covered. Please wash your hands. I will shift now to provide a brief update on testing uh, and our community testing efforts. We continue to do everything we can to meet the needs of those in the community, and DHS is in the midst of ramping up additional community testing capacity across the county. In December, we also announced a contact tracing effort through the county and city testing platform. When someone receives a positive test notification after having received a test at one of these sites, they can anonymously notify those that they might have come in contact with that they could have been exposed to someone with COVID-19. Those contacts then receive an immediate notification that they had an exposure to someone who tested positive, and they receive information about COVID symptoms, testing, and the need to quarantine. Since launching this, almost 18,000 people have been notified of an exposure through this platform and have been provided resources and the free testing information. It takes an average of two minutes for individuals with an exposure to view the notifications and half of those, are no those notified click on the link for the free testing information. Three quarters of those who have notified close contacts of their exposure are from communities of color. The at-home test collection option reduces testing barriers for those who may not have the resources or the time or the ability to easily get to a testing site. Plus, those who have been exposed can better adhere to quarantine guidelines if they're able to use the test from home. Late last week, we launched the first program of its kind in the county to support this work. Now, those who get an exposure notification will also receive a link so they can order a test to be mailed to their home in one easy step. The test kit arrives two days after it's ordered with instructions on how to complete the test safely from your home. We do encourage all contacts who use this option after notification that they had a positive exposure and request the test to please use the test within five to seven days at a maximum of their exposure and to isolate themselves for the full 14 days after exposure, 10 days after symptoms. We encourage all individuals who receive a positive test notification from Helfana to take advantage of the opportunity to notify everyone that they might have come in contact with so that they can immediately order a test to complete at home. This is just one way that we're using technology to support the communities that are most impacted across the county and to do so in a way that can prevent spread and save lives. And finally, I know vaccinations are on, on the top of everyone's mind. As a large provider serving over half a million LA County residents, we follow all public health guidelines within DHS with respect to vaccination priorities and protocols. Already, we've provided approximately 17,000 first doses to the dedicated healthcare workforce within DHS and nearly 13,000 second doses. Staff vaccinations will continue in the coming weeks. And in response to the Department of Public Health opening up vaccines to those aged 65 and over, DHS, just like many providers across the county, began vaccinating our patients late last week. We are very eager to extend this life-saving intervention to those we serve. In closing, hope is on the horizon, but please continue to do your part to limit the spread of COVID-19. The numbers in the hospitals are declining and we take that as a very positive finding, but remember they can easily and quickly go back up again if we let our guard down. So please, for everyone's sake, don't stop taking the risks of COVID seriously. And we'll now take questions.
Thank you. For those who would like a copy of the slides, please email your request to PIO at CEOOEM.LACounty.gov. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourselves to one to two questions per reporter. Please for our first question. Our first question will come from Claudia Pesciuta. Claudia, your line is unmuted. Please state your outlet and your question. Hi, it's Claudia with KNX. I'm getting a weird echo. Okay, um, so uh, for Dr. Galley, how would you describe the current state of the county's healthcare system? No longer overwhelmed? Have any internal disasters been declared recently? Um, for Barbara Ferrer, um, keep hearing that decisions on restrictions are based on data and efforts to keep the healthcare system from becoming overwhelmed. The test positivity rate remains high. Hospitalizations are still close to three times the worst what we saw uh, during the summer peak. So what's suddenly changed now to make it okay to lift restrictions? And then what's being done to vaccinate homeless seniors and those who, for whatever reason, cannot get to a vaccination site? Thank you. I'll start and then I'll turn it over to Dr. Ferrer. Thanks for the question. Uh, there aren't any recently declared internal disasters that are related to COVID-19 volumes. Uh, many hospitals, really all hospitals across the county, continue to be under strain. Many of them, as I mentioned, are still in team-based nursing. And the fact that there's still roughly half or slightly under half of all of the hospital beds filled with COVID patients uh, puts a lot of strain on those hospitals. And as I mentioned, hospitals still are not able to restart elective procedures or surgeries in order to maintain volume for patients with COVID. That said, the trend is incredibly important in terms of that consistent decline in hospitalizations. And it's important to remember that hospitalizations are a lagging indicator in this virus. And it's important to watch other indicators, such as the case rates and the test positivity rate, as more of the leading indicators of what's happening with the overall pandemic. I'll turn it over to Dr. Ferrer. Yeah, thanks so much, Claudia. Um, so just, um, just as a reminder to everyone, uh, we entered in a regional stay-at-home order uh, that the governor, the governor put in place uh, for the entire region uh, because there was concern about the capacity uh, in the intensive care unit. Um, the way that uh, the state has established uh, you get out of uh, being under a stay-at-home order is if the capacity four weeks from now looks like it's going to return to at least 15% of the ICU beds would be available for patients. And the state has actually uh, used their algorithm to predict that four weeks from now in LA County, we would have 33% capacity of available beds at our ICU. So that is, that is why the governor uh, has lifted the um, stay-at-home order. So there was data that was used. Uh, it was used in the first place to uh, asked this region to go under the stay-at-home order, and now it's being used to actually lift that stay-at-home order. When that order got lifted, as a reminder, back in November, we had our own health officer order here, and most of what is permitted in the purple tier is, in fact, permitted under our health officer order that we had put in place in November, at the end of November, to try to get everybody uh, on the same page about slowing, getting back to slowing the spread. And so you'll see that as we go back to that health officer order, personal care is open, but only at 25% occupancy. 
I mean, the principles remain the same. People need to wear their face coverings when they're around other people, and we need to avoid situations where people are crowded together indoors. As much as possible, we ask that people uh, remain outdoors. Um, the, the biggest difference uh, between that order that we issued on the 25th and where we're headed at the end of this week is we will be opening back up for outdoor dining on Friday. Uh, we'll be working very closely uh, with our labor partners and with the restaurants to make sure that we're putting in uh, safety modifications at those sites to protect workers and also make sure that customers are able to keep, uh, you know, to, to, to not be crowded um, and uh, to really limit exposing each other uh, to this virus. So we're going to be working to, as we did with everybody, limit occupancy at those outdoor sites. Uh, you notice there's a consistent pattern here. Outdoors, sites that are open, 50% occupancy. Uh, and we're going to take a hard look at the personal protection equipment that people working in restaurants are using, again, to add a layer of protection uh, to all the workers. Uh, but we're anxious, as is everyone, to move forward with the recovery. And I just want to reiterate what Dr. Galley closed with, which is this all depends on all of us. Uh, if, in fact, we go back uh, with our reopenings, uh, people aren't, in fact, able to adhere to the rules. Uh, we have a lot of problems and uh, increase in outbreaks. Um, we'll be in the horrible position of needing to once again backtrack. So this is up to all of us. Uh, we think that we're definitely on uh, the decline. Our cases are dropping. Our positivity rate is, is dropping. We feel confident uh, that the restrictions that are in place will help us continue recovery, but only if everyone adheres to the restrictions that are in place. Only if all of us do our part, if all of us decide that the way forward uh, right now uh, is for, in fact, us to follow all of the safety modifications that are in place. Um, and the second question was about um, vaccinations for people experiencing homelessness and for seniors who may be homebound. Uh, we're obviously, I have a plan in place. I want to again thank our partners at the Department of Health Services for vaccinating uh, many of uh, our uh, uh, many of our most vulnerable uh, people experience people who are experiencing homelessness who are residing either in project room key sites or they're in fact at um, isolation and quarantine sites. That's where we'll be going out first and we'll be offering vaccine to seniors at those sites. We're working with some of our shelters to figure out a strategy at the shelters uh, for making sure that again, we reach uh, those hardest, uh, those that are older and, and now eligible and also we'll be figuring out a strategy that we can use uh, in the encampments. I want to notice, I want to note that for people who have, who are living uh, in the encampments who are unhoused, we are anxious to get hold of um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, once it is, uh, once it goes through the federal approval by the FDA and they have uh, hopefully issued an emergency use authorization. That's a one-dose vaccine. Uh, as you know, for people experiencing house, uh, homelessness who are unsheltered, Sometimes it's hard for them uh, to come back in uh, and get that second dose. So uh, we're hopeful that in the next couple of weeks, there will be an application for that emergency use authorization. And we can have this additional option of having a one-dose vaccine that's available, which we think will work well uh, in some sites uh, as opposed to a two-dose vaccine. Uh, with that, we'll uh, go on to the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Ron Lynn. Ron, your line is open. Please go ahead. 
Hi, doctors and supervisor. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Really appreciate it. Um, we have questions for you today, Dr. Ferrer and supervisor on whether you are vindicated in the public health strategy, project room key, and when teachers will get vaccines. First, Dr. Ferrer and supervisor, uh, LA County received criticism and lawsuits from some restaurant owners on the outdoor dining ban, but county data shows that virus transmission rates started dropping around the same time as the outdoor dining ban and the safer at home order were issued, which occurred a week ahead of the state stay at home order. Does the current good news vindicate your efforts to ban outdoor dining and impose an early safer at home order? Second, Supervisor Solis, last week we got news that President Biden has ordered FEMA to reimburse cities for 100% of what they spend on non-congregate shelters until September 21. This is big news because the reimbursement had previously been at 75%. We've seen that the number of available beds in Project Roomkey, the program to rent hotels for homeless people, has been steadily declining. Supervisor, will you be advocating for the expansion of Project Roomkey now that we know the county will get its money back? And do you think the city should be commandeering hotels that are either vacant or still have homeless people in them? Finally, Dr. Frere, in terms of vaccines, the governor outlined vaccination priorities today. Has the priority position for teachers changed? When can teachers in LA County be vaccinated? And what is the estimated timeline for this? Thank you. Supervisor Solis, do you want? Um, you know, I'll take the last part of the, the question that uh, you asked, uh, Ron, regarding uh, room key and obviously any funding that we can get from the Biden administration uh, wholeheartedly, I know we are going to be asking and accepting and we do have a crisis here. We, as you know, on any given night, 66,000 people are still unsheltered. And I know that um, we can do a lot more. I know in my own district, we've actually helped to fortify more uh, hotels and motels and we need to continue to find participants those uh, especially not just not just hotels and motels but even landlords that have uh, units that they can also allow us to utilize at this time I think it's really critical that we continue to seek reimbursement for monies that we've already put down and yes to ascertain the hundred percent reimbursement so I'm going to work wholeheartedly I know our board is with the administration and very happy to work alongside and, and uh, working with, with the governor as well, because he's a big advocate for this program. Um, not sure what the other question was, if, if I feel vindicated. <laughs> I feel that um, we've made some hard decisions and no one, I mean, you can't underestimate how hard this has been on the many families that have lost loved ones uh, first of all, and, and I really do want to underscore how important that that is for many of us. And the other is the financial and economic pain that people continue to suffer through right now. I'm alarmed when I hear that so many people um, don't have access to health care and don't have access to a job, can't rely on the federal government right now because they weren't included in the first trough of CARES Act money. And we're hopeful that with this new administration, we can get more assistance out to those that were untouched. And many of those individuals are represented. I'm not sure, did we lose connections for everyone? I, Dr. Ferrer, if you could proceed with answering sure. the second question, please. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, thanks a million, Ron. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to note that um, when we are issuing our health officer orders, uh, as Supervisor Solis mentioned, you know, it's with a lot of thoughtfulness uh, and, a, 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 you know, a lot of study of 
what does the data say and what does the science say? And at the time, uh, we were seeing this sort of steep increase in cases. And we do know that uh, it's really important for people to have those face coverings on when they're around people that aren't in their household. And that was what we based that decision on, um, because at that point we were on this alarming uh, trajectory of exponential increases in our cases. Um, I don't know, you know, whether, you know, vindicated is the right word. I, I think we, we made a tough decision uh, at a tough point in time. I think it's a combination of the uh, safety modifications that we ask people to make uh, and people's willingness to actually take uh, personal responsibility for their own actions that helps us get to the place where we're actually seeing a decline. You know, the, the two have to go hand in hand, uh, especially in a county this size. So I wanna just acknowledge and thank all of the restaurants who in fact did close uh, their outdoor dining sites and did help us in fact, uh, drive down rates. It's taken us a long time. It was a horrible surge. Uh, we lost lots of people uh, and we continue to have lots of people in the hospital who are sick. I do feel uh, you know, fairly optimistic uh, that if again, we get high rates of cooperation from our partners, our business partners, uh, our labor partners, uh, all of our residents, uh, that we can take these steps forward and, and try to move uh, in a way that is uh, responsible, uh, attends to the you know, pressing need for us to continue to reduce transmission, but tries to create a path forward that allows for some economic recovery. Uh, but this does only work uh, with everyone's help. It doesn't work just because our health officer orders are issued uh, and they, you know, they require some safety modifications or they lift uh, some of the restrictions. It works when everybody is following the rules and doing their best uh, to protect each other. Um, Ron, I wasn't sure. Uh, I thought the supervisor answered uh, all of the other questions. Um, so I'm not sure if there was anything else uh, that remained uh, for us to answer. It was the uh, the vaccination priorities for teachers. Has that changed? Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, um, I unfortunately I missed the, the governor's uh, press conference this morning, and I haven't had a chance to get briefed yet. Um, I do know that you know, as of yesterday, so I don't think it changed. Um, we were in uh, we were in phase one B. Uh, we're in tier one. Uh, that started with opening up vaccination efforts for uh, people sixty five and older. Uh, right uh, right uh, in that same category are in fact uh, educators and daycare providers uh, and people who work in food industries and in agriculture and our public safety folks. Um, so we, again, will be working with the state uh, as we get more and more allocations here for vaccine. That's what's really gonna drive this uh, to figure out strategies for again, you know, trying to make sure that we cover as many people possible uh, who are eligible. Right now, we have a really big push to finish uh, vaccinating all of our healthcare workers and to make sure that we're doing a good job reaching um, all of the folks who are 65 and older. You know, I do want to report at our skilled nursing facilities, uh, as of today, I think about 75% of residents uh, at the 340 skilled nursing facilities uh, we work with and about 72%, I think, of staff uh, have been vaccinated. Uh, that's a huge number uh, and gives us all, you know, we're all breathing a sigh of relief um, because there are so many vulnerable people working there and living there. Um, so I think we're continuing to make good progress. Uh, we have a, a very decentralized system here for vaccinating folks. I think it works to our advantage. People can 
go to their uh, local healthcare provider uh, if they're a federally qualified health center. They can go to some of the clinic sites. Uh, there are pharmacies in, in many communities uh, that are also scheduling appointments. And as we get, the only limiting factor right now is we need more vaccine. Uh, we have, we're exploring partnerships with all of our school districts um, so that when we get more vaccine, they'll be ready to help us vaccinate again uh, teachers and staff, and the same with our childcare providers, our colleges and universities. This is all, I think, uh, easily operationalized because we have so many wonderful partners in this county, so many folks that are stepping up, but we have to get more vaccine for this to be possible. And we'll take the next question. Thank you. As a reminder, to allow for ample time for questions and as a courtesy to other reporters, we ask that you please limit yourself to one to two questions per reporter. Our next question comes from the line of Stephanie Dazio. Stephanie, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, what are the current stats regarding ICU hospitalizations and the current ICU capacity? Um, and does the county public health department agree with the state's methodology that projects that um, our region will have a 33% ICU capacity? Do you believe this is the right move opening up so much uh, with the new variants and their impact on the county and the state still unknown? Uh, I don't know, Dr. Galley, if you wanted to comment on any of the capacity at hospitals. I'm, I'm happy to talk about the, the calculations uh, that the state used. Yeah, I think you have the ICU bed capacity numbers across the system as a whole. I can speak to yeah. DHS numbers, uh, which is just that we're still at 75%, as I mentioned, of the ICU patients having COVID. But again, you know, that proportion goes up over time because those individuals have a longer length of stay and there's a lag. So the, the new hospitalizations has declined more quickly than the overall hospital census has declined. Uh, and, and again, this is just really a lagging indicator. And I think it's very difficult to make decisions solely based on looking at the number of patients that are in the hospitals. Uh, uh, and, and including the ICUs, and so hence the importance of looking forward to those projections. Yeah, um, and, and thanks so much. Um, it looks like um, ICU capacity across the system today, again, this isn't the adjusted rate that the state uses, but sort of just the straight bed rate uh, was about 10%. So uh, there was about 10% availability across our system with ICU beds, and again, you know, I think, as, as Dr. Galley has noted before, um, you know, patients come and go all during the day. So, you know, that, that's a very tight number, and it really indicates that there's very little capacity across the system still uh, with our ICU beds, but it's certainly uh, better than it has been. In terms of what the, um, what the state uh, used to, to calculate that uh, estimate that four weeks from now, there'll be 33% capacity at our ICUs. We haven't seen that algorithm yet. I know they're going to share it with us, but I haven't had a chance to, to actually see how they did that calculation. I do have a lot of confidence in the state. Um, they've been great partners for us. Um, we all are in sort of this together. Uh, everybody uh, wants to make sure that uh, we continue to support all of our hospitals and that we're in fact making the right decisions so that we reduce the stress that has been experienced by our hospitals and reduce the number of people who are sick and obviously the number of people who are dying. 
Um, you know, I think in, in terms of timing, like when is it the right time uh, to actually move forward and, and try to get back uh, on track to allowing people to be able to uh, both uh, go back to work in some cases, but also to reopen some sectors for additional uh, activities that people can participate in. I think that's always going to be a difficult call, uh, particularly during a pandemic. It's a new virus. Uh, and as you noted, you know, we've got issues around variants and mutations, but we also have more tools. Um, so I want to note that, you know, being able to start vaccinating people, particularly those who remained at higher risk, is an important new tool. And every single day in this county, uh, we're vaccinating, you know, uh, probably uh, close to 25, 35, even 45,000 people, um, you know, when you start adding up all the numbers. Uh, so lots of people are getting vaccinated. And that, I think, uh, is going to be really helpful as we move forward. I think there's also a, a deeper understanding about the importance of taking care of each other. So many families have experienced either loss or hardship or illness uh, because of this pandemic. And I think we're all ready to like do this together and do it better than we did before uh, as we try to, again, uh, reopen with lots of safety in place and lots of need for folks to actually um, adhere to all of the safety protocols uh, that make this all possible. Uh, but I've been very honest with everybody. You know, we're going to give this a try. We're going to do our very best. We're going to work with every business. We're going to make sure that we're communicating effectively. We're going to continue to prioritize getting people vaccinated, but we do all have to do our part. And if at any point it starts looking like we're creating, again, an overwhelming situation for our hospitals, and we don't continue to see that we're making progress and slowing the spread, I'll be the first person to call us all back together to say we need to move forward differently. Um, I think uh, I think we can we can go ahead with this uh, if we're all doing it together and if we're all playing by the rules. I think it's really hard if people don't help uh, and if people don't take some responsibility and if businesses don't make sure they're protecting their workers. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Howard Blue. Howard, your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Ferreira. Thank you for taking our questions. Just a little more clarity on something you talked about earlier. Can teachers make appointments for vaccines right now? And if not, what's your estimate of when in February or March that is likely to be possible? Yeah, it's such a great question. Right now in LA County, um, uh, teachers, um, except uh, I don't know what's really, I mean, Long Beach and Pasadena, Get their own allocations of vaccine and are able to move through these tiers more quickly. They just have a lot less people uh, that need to get vaccinated in each of these priority groups. But you know, uh, in LA County, there's almost 1.4 million people that are over the age of uh, at 65 or that are 65 and older. There's about 600,000 healthcare workers, maybe even more, uh, given the expansive definition of healthcare workers. And there's another 100,000 people that live in residence and congregate living. So if you just think about it conservatively, there's 2 million people there uh, that really need to get vaccinated and they each need two doses. So that's 4 million doses. And, and to date, even including uh, the allocation we'll be receiving later this week, uh, we're at about a million that we've received about a million doses. So that's like one in four people currently need to get vaccinated. Uh, do we have, we had enough doses for them? Uh, so, so again, the issue for us is supply, and we need to make good headway 
for vaccinating uh, people who are 65 and older. Uh, as everyone has noted, uh, that's an age group where there's most risk for serious illness and dying of all other age groups. So we're going to do our best with the supplies that are sent to us uh, to make sure that they're quickly getting into the arms of people who are eligible. I think we're doing a pretty good job with our healthcare workers and, you know, a lot of them still need their second doses, but um, we'll be able to do that and hopefully finish that off. But it will take us a while to make sure that we're reaching all the seniors uh, and people 65 and older that want to get vaccinated. Uh, we'll have to work and see what the supply chains are going to look like for vaccines uh, to make a determination exactly when uh, we will start vaccinating other folks that were in uh, what we call tier one of phase 1B. That includes, as you mentioned, teachers. You know, I'm hopeful with a new administration that vaccine supply is going to increase and increase fairly quickly. Uh, and that will give us lots more opportunities in February and in March to be able to expand the groups of people that are eligible for getting vaccinated. Right now, our priority is to make sure that we're doing a good job reaching out to people 65 and older. We're helping them find a site that's convenient and uh, easy for them to access so that they can get vaccinated. And we're working hard. I, I, you know, Supervisor Solis and the entire board has been just huge champions of making sure that we get more supply here in LA County uh, so that we can do our best to get this quickly into the arms of, of everyone uh, who's so anxious to get vaccinated. So thanks for that. Uh, we'll move on to the next question. Our next question comes from the line of Laura Nelson. Laura, your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, thanks for taking our questions. I, first, I was hoping that um, Dr. Frere, you could clarify, was that 76.7% vaccination rate that you cited as of January 12th or January 21st? Because I think one you said one way verbally and the slide say something else. Oh, I'm sorry. I think there's, yeah, there's there might be a mistake on the slide. Uh, those are from doses we received as of January 12th. And then, okay. uh, so, so yes, the doses were the doses we received as of January 12th. I'm sorry if that slide didn't get fixed. Okay, great. Uh, thank you. So um, just to follow up on that, I saw that the slide mentioned that that's, um, you guys are estimating the, the, the percent of dose, doses administered based on surveys. Um, can you explain um, sure. why is that that figures based on surveys? Is there not a way to automatically collect that data somehow? Yeah, no, it's it's a super good question and, and really important. So thanks for asking. Um, so, you know, many people know that there have been problems with the patient registration system. That's why the state is moving towards a, a new patient registration portal. Uh, and it's been really hard because of that um, to actually be able to rely on that system to capture all the doses that have been administered. Uh, there's been problems across the board, not just in LA County. Uh, folks think that they've entered in the information. It doesn't show up as being entered. Uh, we've sent some data teams out to uh, many sites uh, across our county that are vaccination sites where there seems to be a big discrepancy between what their inventory numbers show, which is what our survey gathers, and what's actually been inputted in the state registration system. That's either prep mod or some or you know, or directly inputted into uh, a, um, a platform called CARES. Uh, both have been problematic. Uh, we spent a lot of time working with the state and working with our partners to make sure we get good information inputted. But there are some issues and challenges there. I think they'll all be fixed uh, with my turn and it'll make it much easier. 
but we do rely therefore on the surveys that we collect every week from every site that's a vaccination site that's an inventory a survey we need to get those in order to understand uh, how many doses a site would need both for second uh, dose vaccinations as well as what they're requesting for first dose vaccinations but first we need to know how many uh, vaccination doses they administered in the previous week uh, so we're able to get a more accurate account right now from the survey data i think within a few weeks uh, the more accurate number will actually come from the patient registration portal and we could take the next question thank you our next question comes from the line of joel grover joel your line is Open, please go ahead. Yes. Uh, hi, Dr. Ferrer. Um, I have a, two more questions about people over 65. These questions are about people over 65 who've already gotten their first dose of the vaccines, but are very concerned about getting the second dose. Uh, my first question is about people who got their first dose at the county-run large capacity sites. I've spoken with a number of seniors who've gone on the county's website to try and get that second appointment. They say they've been on hold for hours on the county's phone line and still can't get through. My question is, what is LA County doing to ensure those seniors will get their second dose around 28 days? And then I have another question about seniors who got their first dose at private sites like drugstores or markets that are federal partners. Is the county doing anything to ensure those seniors will get their second dose? And wouldn't it make sense to streamline the process so that seniors could book their first and second appointments all at the same time? Yeah, uh, thanks so much. Um, and, and you raised some really important issues. So I wanna clarify for everybody who got vaccinated at one of the county large capacity sites or the county community sites, you are guaranteed a second dose. We're using at the large sites, we use the Pfizer vaccine. Your appointment will be made for you. Uh, for many people, this shows up on their vaccination card. We actually are handwriting it for them, what the, what, the, what the vaccine was that they received and the date of their second dose. They don't need to do anything to get an appointment. We will pre-register everybody who goes to our sites for their second appointment. It's been a little complicated because we're switching, as I noted, we're switching to a new uh, patient registration system. Um, but we will, in fact, um, as people make their first appointments uh, moving forward and they show up. I mean, one thing we don't want to have happen is that people don't get that first dose, but they will be uh, registered then for their second appointment. Uh, so everybody who went to a county site last week and everybody who's going this week, uh, most of you, uh, and I worked a site, so I know at the site I was working, people got it on, written on their card when there's the date of their second appointment and they will get a message uh, sent to them with that information as well, that they've been registered uh, for their second appointment. But if there's any confusion, you just can go to the site uh, on that 21st day after you got your first vaccine, you will be registered uh, and you will generally be registered at the same time you had your first appointment. So I hope that there's no confusion about the people going to the large sites. For the private sites, Many of them are trying to do the same thing, schedule the second appointments after people get their first appointment. I think it is a little uneven, but I want to say that we guarantee every vaccination site is guaranteed second doses uh, for all their folks. That's one of the reasons why we do all this inventory. So if a site, a pharmacy gave out 100 first doses this week, 
and it was Pfizer, they will in in uh, in 21 days they will receive 100 doses for their second dose appointments. So no one has to worry that we're not going to have doses for the second appointments uh, for folks because we're guaranteeing uh, that there will be a second dose vaccination available. Now, we do have to maintain a steady inventory. Uh, and so far, that's gone well. If there was some crisis and we weren't getting second dose, we weren't getting doses, uh, we we're getting even less doses than we're getting now, that might create a problem. I do want to remind folks that you don't have to actually get vaccinated exactly on day 21, or if you were vaccinated with Moderna exactly on day 28. The CDC has issued guidance that says you can actually wait for two additional weeks and you'll still be within the realm of having an effective response uh, to the doses that you've received. We're doing our very best to get people appointments within, you know, at 21 days or at 28 days. Uh, but no one should worry if you don't get vaccinated until day 25 and you receive the Pfizer vaccine or till day like 32 or 35 if you receive the Moderna vaccine. Those are all uh, within, those are all time frames that are perfectly reasonable uh, to still be able to have the full impact and the full protection uh, that the vaccines offer. Um, we will be working on trying to sort of streamline, as you noted, uh, the registration process uh, so that it's not so difficult for people in the future. Uh, but the main reassurance I want people to know is uh, you are guaranteed that second dose. Uh, you are guaranteed that appointment. Um, we're working really hard to make sure it's easy for you to get back to the same site where you got your first dose to get that second dose. Uh, we have reserved at all of our uh, large capacity sites some reservations for healthcare workers who need a second dose and couldn't uh, get back to their original site to get that second dose. Uh, but we're going to continue to work to make sure this system uh, works as easy as possible. Uh, and actually, you know, our hope is that after you get that first dose, an automatic appointment is made for you and communicated to you through the system, the registration system. We'll have to just make sure that that's actually going to work. So thanks for that question. We'll take the next question. We have time for one last question. Our last question comes from the line of Peter Nichols. Peter, your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey, hello. Uh, thank you, everybody. Quickly, I want to get back to some science stuff. Uh, Dr. Galley, I could you comment on the low R effective rate? I, I was looking at the CalCat site today, and it was showing like a 0.78. What's your take on that? Uh, I, I would assume that's a, a, a very good sign and a great indicator. Secondly, for either uh, Supervisor Solis or Dr. Ferrer, um, we all know that there's predictions of maybe an atmospheric river later in the week. I get a lot of community questions like, what is the contingency plans you know, for people who, who I know who are scheduled for vaccinations, if in fact we do get these very heavy rains at these sites, can we get ahead of this and advise people what's going to transpire as a result of these uh, storms? Thank you. Supervisor Sleese, did you want to start? Yeah, you know, I uh, 
asked our staff about that same question when I was out at Fairplex last week because, you know, the weather has been so uh, varied. Uh, and they told me, they assured me that at least at our large facilities, our pods, that we could have uh, protective coverage. So I believe that all of those plans have already been worked out. Um, and that's that's as far as I know, unless staff has something to add to that. Yeah, I could I could sort of amplify a little bit. Um, you know, our, our goal, as the supervisor said, is to be able to run uh, those pods um, in inclement weather as long as it's safe for the staff that are working there. Uh, and there are, you know, there are um, contingency plans that create shelter for the staff that are outside. You know, everybody stays in their cars at the large sites. So the large sites are, are all uh, with people never really getting out of their cars at all. Um, and so it, it stays relatively safe. But you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, should we have, you know, a really terrible weather um, that that really, you know, is dangerous for people to be outdoors? Because I mean, I worked I worked the site. Uh, I was over at uh, the Laco site all day on Saturday, and it was pouring rain. Uh, we did well. Um, you know, we all have our ponchos, and there were no safety concerns because it was the kind of rain that just was steady rain. Um, people, you know, uh, had ponchos. We had umbrellas, and we had some shelters. Uh, and it worked, but I can imagine a situation where there's heavy rain that maybe turns to hail, particularly our Magic Mountain site, um, or becomes, you know, dangerous with lightning, in which case um, we may uh, need to uh, cancel some of the appointments. I do want to say um, that the, the strategy, if we do need to get to a place where we're canceling appointments, is to just uh, allow all the people who have canceled appointments to come the following week the same day at the same time. So because we only book appointments for one week at a time, uh, we can easily, if we had to close down the site because it was too dangerous, we can easily move all those appointments to the following week uh, for everyone. And because, you know, even for second doses, you do have a week of grace easily, uh, that will work as well. But thanks for that question. And then I'll take a question on the R. Uh, so, the Los Angeles County Department of Health Services does a hospital bed demand model, and the R that we are projecting or that we project we we put forward last week was zero point nine four. So it is higher than what the state is running in their model. And what the preliminary value uh, will only be, we believe, slightly below that for this week. We don't have the final numbers yet, and we'll be prepared to share those on Wednesday, but we don't anticipate it will be. Uh, as low as what you cited as coming out of the state's model. And all of these models are different. They all come with different assumptions, different ways of calculating the R, and, and no single model is ever 100% accurate. I think the important piece is that there is a decline in the R. We were had an R above one several weeks ago, and now we have an R uh, even whose confidence interval does not span one, and that's encouraging. Uh, but again, it's declining slowly, which while declining, uh, still means um, that we still have a lot of transmission going on in the community, and that transmission, uh, as everyone knows, can pick back up quickly uh, if people let their guard down. So people need to still remain vigilant with all of the public health practices that will keep uh, that are continuing to decline and keep people safe. And we'll now turn it over for Spanish. Great. Thank you so much. Buenas tardes. Soy Hilda Solís, presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy el gobernador Gavin Newsom levantó el orden de quedarse en casa 
para el sur de California, el Valle de San Joaquín y la área de San Francisco. Esta decisión se basa en las proyecciones de la capacidad de camas de la OCE, UC, UCI, dentro de cuatro semanas. Agradezco este anuncio y el trabajo de nuestros residentes que nos ayudarán a llegar a este punto, donde podemos brindar alivio a nuestros negocios locales. El Condado de Los Ángeles va a trabajar con el Estado para reabrir actividades permitidas bajo el nivel morado pronto. Esto incluye cenas afuera en los restaurantes. Nuestro Departamento de Salud Pública puede hablar más sobre esto, pero quiero recordarles que las cosas pueden cambiar de la noche hasta la mañana. Como hemos vi visto antes, el posible que se necesitan más restricciones. Esto puede pasar en el número de personas en los hospitales si vuelvan a subir. Las máscaras y la distancia física siguen siendo importantes para salir de esta pandemia hasta que podemos vacunar a todos. Sí, acerca el Super Bowl. Hemos visto lo que pasa con eventos deportivos cuando las personas se reúnen en las casas de otros no haga esto. Mientras seguimos esperando que lleguen más vacunas, nuestras acciones son muy importantes para combatir el virus. Para los residentes que han recibido la primera dosis de la vacuna, es muy importante que sigan usando mascarillas, quedándose en casa y manteniendo la distancia. La inmunidad no ocurre hasta mínimo una semana después de su segundo dosis. Usar una mascarilla es crítico hasta que un gran porcentaje de la población tiene, tiene la vacuna. El viernes pasado, 101 pacientes mayores de 65 años recibieron una primera dosis de la vacuna en el centro médico que, conoces, que conocemos nosotros at LACUSC. Yo estaba presente y me hizo feliz saber momentos tan hermosos que a veces me hacían a llorar. Conocí a varios residentes que, vi, que viven en el distrito, el primero distrito que fueron desde el este de Los Ángeles y las ciudades de Bell, Southgate y hasta West Covina. Conocí a una mujer de 82 años empujando a su hijo que usa sillas de ruedas y estaba tan admirada con el esfuerzo y ánimo. Una mujer de 87 años lloró de alegría después de recibir la vacuna. Me dijo, que Dios les bendiga a todos. También conocí un hombre de 76 uh, años. Él uh, conocí, uh, cocinero de un negocio local y me dijo que tomó tres autobuses para llegar a recibir unos dosis de esperanza. Estas son las historias que esperaba escuchar cuando firmé la orden educativa para darles vacunas del COVID-19 a los residentes de 65 años o más. Los adultos mayores han sido tan afectados por este virus. Darles prioridad es fundamental. Yo sé que ahorita las citas son limitadas. Y eso es porque todavía no tenemos suficientes vacunas para cubrir la demanda. Estamos trabajando con los gobiernos estatal y federal que ahora están enfocando en la misma misión. Le estoy pidiendo directamente al presidente Joe Biden que mande más vacunas al condado de Los Ángeles, ya que somos uno de los condados más 
impactados en el nación. También le pido al presidente que dé prioridad al Condado de Los Ángeles en la introducción de centros comunitarios de vacunas que van a ser apoyados por FIMA. Necesitamos esos centros aquí en el condado, especialmente en mi distrito donde tenemos las tasas más altas de COVID. Hemos abierto grandes sitios de vacunas en todo el condado, como en, en el estadio, por ejemplo, de los Dodgers y Pomona Fairplex, que están vacunando a miles de personas cada día. Si usted es un profesional clínico con licencia, hay oportunidades para ser voluntario. Para obtener más información sobre cómo ayudar, llame por favor a 211. Como dice antes, la salud de nuestra economía está conectada con nuestra salud física. Hay que poner un fin a esta pandemia para ayudar a nuestra economía. En las próximas semanas vamos a lanzar un programa de alivio para personas que rentan y un programa de préstamos para negocios locales en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y con otro paquete de ayuda federal COVID en el futuro, esperamos introducir más programas y servicios para ayudar a más impactados. Para muchos de nosotros, vemos personas que van a los hospitales, los hospitales y desaparecen. Deberíamos unirnos contra este virus lo más pronto posible. Entonces, usan las mascarillas, quédase en casa, manteniendo distancia y recibiendo una vacuna cuando esté, cuando ya está disponible para usted. Gracias por su atención y ahorita me da uh, gusto a presentarles la representante del Departamento de Salud Pública, Jacqueline Valenzuela. Buenas tardes a todos. Gracias, Supervisora Solís. Queremos expresar nuestro agradecimiento a usted y a todas las supervisoras por su liderazgo y esfuerzos para ayudarnos a salvar vidas durante esta pandemia sin precedentes. Esperamos seguir trabajando para poner fin a esta pandemia y obtener más vacunas en el Condado de Los Ángeles. First slide, please. Queremos reconocer que mañana, el 26 de enero, se cumplirá el primer aniversario de cuando informamos el primer caso de infección por COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Desde entonces, hemos sido testigos del terrible impacto de este virus en millones de vidas en nuestro condado. COVID-19 ha resultado en la trágica pérdida de más de 15,000 almas. Decenas de miles han luchado contra esta enfermedad y muchos están viviendo efectos prolongados en su salud. Y nuestro sistema de salud se ha llevado al límite. El virus también ha expuesto las persistentes desigualdades en el acceso a recursos entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles y mostró los desafíos que enfrentan muchos residentes para protegerse a sí mismos y a sus familias bajo la presión de mantener sus trabajos. Decenas de miles de personas experimentaron la devastación económica cuando las decisiones para proteger la salud y salvar vidas cerraron negocios y redujeron las actividades. Hoy en día, el virus permanece con nosotros y continúa infectando a miles de personas diariamente y trágicamente se cobra cientos de vidas cada semana. Si bien hay esperanza con la llegada de las vacunas, Todavía estamos a meses de que la mayoría de nuestros residentes estén vacunados contra este virus tan agresivo. 
mientras esperamos tener más vacunas disponibles, debemos seguir siendo seguros y seguir tomando medidas a diario para protegernos a nosotros mismos y a los demás. Por favor, use siempre cubiertas para la cara, evite reuniones, mantenga la distancia física, lávese las manos y siga las reglas en los negocios y lugares de trabajo. Ahora reportaremos los números actuales. Nos da tristeza informar que hoy han fallecido 46 personas más, lo que desafortunadamente eleva el número total de muertes a 15,303 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Este número es bajo, eh, más bajo de lo que esperábamos debido a un retraso en los informes del fin de semana. Como recordarán, la semana pasada informamos aproximadamente 200 muertes por día y esperamos que este alarmante número de muertes va a permanecer con nosotros por un tiempo. Hoy estamos reportando 6,642 casos nuevos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,079,369. Actualmente, 6,486 personas están hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 25% de las personas que están hospitalizadas se encuentran en unidades de cuidados intensivos. 22% estaban en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 84,891, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. Hasta la fecha se han realizado pruebas a más de 5.3 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. La tasa de positividad acumulada es del 19%. Next slide, please. Este gráfico, gráfico actualizado de casos por fecha de episodio muestra una disminución continua de casos. El promedio de 7 días de casos diarios alcanzó su punto máximo el 8 de enero con más de 15,000 casos. Al 20 de enero, ese promedio se redujo a la mitad a 7,328 casos diarios. Sin embargo, todavía estamos viendo mucha transmisión comunitaria. En el apogeo del verano del año pasado, nuestro promedio diario de casos alcanzó un máximo por debajo de 3,000. Y cuando ese aumento comenzó el, el verano pasado, reportábamos menos de mil casos nuevos cada día. Aquí es donde debemos dirigirnos para detener la transmisión y comenzar a ver una recuperación real en el condado de Los Ángeles. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de los últimos siete días de nuestra tasa de positividad diaria. Desde el 20 de enero, el promedio de la tasa de positividad diaria fue del 12.9% por debajo del máximo del 20% al comienzo del año nuevo. Una disminución en la tasa de, positi de positividad es una señal prometedora, pero este número aún cuenta la historia de que demasiadas personas se están infectando con COVID-19. Estos números sirven como un recordatorio de que este virus es fuerte, está en todas partes y puede infectar a cualquiera que no esté tomando precauciones. Next slide, please. Este gráfico ofrece otra señal potencialmente prometedora. Cuando se trata de la cantidad de personas con COVID-19 que están tan enfermas que requieren hospitalización, alcanzamos un máximo de un promedio de 8,000 hospitalizaciones diarias el 8 de enero. 
El 21 de enero había un promedio de 7,072 hospitalizaciones diarias. Y como hemos informado en los últimos días, el número total de personas en hospitales con COVID-19 cayó por debajo de 7,000. Nos dirigimos en la dirección correcta. Uh, sin embargo, estos números siguen siendo muy altos y continúan afectando al sistema de salud. Sabemos eh, que entre el 10 y el 12% de todos los casos positivos de COVID-19 resultarán en hospitalizaciones, por lo que cuanto menor sea el número de casos, menos personas terminan hospitalizadas. Next slide, please. Esta diapositiva también muestra una tendencia potencialmente prometedora, pero también una historia sobre el número elevado de personas que mueren a causa de COVID-19. El promedio de muertes diarias por COVID-19 alcanzó su punto máximo a principios de mes y nuestros datos más recientes muestran que el promedio diario se redujo ligeramente a 162 muertes el 17 de enero. Sin embargo, dado que todavía informamos muchos días con más de 200 muertes, es muy probable que esto continúe durante algunas semanas más. A principios de este mes, eh, informamos un hito de 12,000 muertes por COVID-19. Trágicamente, no tomó mucho tiempo llegar a otro hito, el de 15,000 muertes, que informamos el fin de semana pasado. Si bien es de esperar que los casos y las hospitalizaciones estén disminuyendo, debemos estar preparados para el hecho de que miles más en el condado de Los Ángeles morirán de COVID-19 este año. Este es un virus uh, extremadamente mortal y no podemos darle la espalda ni ahora, ni el mes que viene, ni, ni durante los próximos meses. Este virus sigue cobrando más vidas cada día. Esta es una tragedia y una que podemos cambiar. Cada acción que tomamos para proteger a los demás termina salvando vidas. Cada acción que nos pone en riesgo termina contribuyendo a más enfermedades y angustias. Next slide, please. Este gráfico nos deja ver las dosis de vacunas en el condado de Los Ángeles. El gráfico en la parte superior proporciona los últimos números basados en nuestra propia encuesta y recopilación de datos. Tenga en cuenta que la base de datos estatal generalmente está trazada en el reporte de algunos números. Al 12 de enero, las, dosi, las dosis recibidas en el condado de Los Ángeles eran 685,075 y una semana después, se habían administrado más de 525,000 dosis. Eso significa que alrededor del 76% de todas las dosis que tenemos en mano se utilizaron. Queremos señalar que en un momento dado siempre habrá una cierta cantidad de dosis que están en tránsito mientras se restribuyen a nuestros más de 200 sitios en todo el condado o que se están utilizando en sitios para las citas uh, que se están programando para la siguiente semana. El segundo gráfico muestra las dosis en total que se enviaron al condado de Los Ángeles. Como puede ver en la tercera columna, nuestros envíos semanales se han mantenido mucho más bajos de lo que necesitamos. Nuestra capacidad para vacunar a las personas en el condado de Los Ángeles sigue siendo muy limitada por la cantidad de vacunas disponibles. Next slide, please. 
Este mapa muestra las ubicaciones de los sitios de vacunación en todo el condado con citas de vacunación programadas. Contamos con una extensa red de farmacias, centros de salud con calificación federal, hospitales, clínicas y sitios de vacunaciones comunitarios, incluidos seis sitios de gran capacidad. Algunos eh, administrados por la ciudad de Los Ángeles y otros por el condado. Nuestras alianzas con ciudades, escuelas, negocios, sindicatos y proveedores de atención médica nos permitirán construir una red aún más amplia, de modo que cuando lleguen más dosis de vacuna, vacunas, estemos listos. Next slide, please. También queremos anunciar que el sitio web de la vacuna COVID-19 del Condado de Los Ángeles, VaccinatedLA.com, ha incorporado la nueva plataforma de registro de citas del estado de California, que es el sistema de registro MyTurn. Esta adición presenta un proceso simplificado para los residentes elegibles para recibir la vacuna. Esta función adicional en nuestro sitio web les permite a los residentes saber rápidamente si son elegibles actualmente y si lo son, puede ayudarlos a encontrar y reservar citas que estén disponibles en su área. El sitio MyTurn también alertará a las personas que se registren cuando se abran las citas o cuando las vacunas se abran a grupos uh, prioritarios adicionales. Actualmente, el sitio MyTurn hará citas para nuestros cinco sitios de gran capacidad, así como para otros dos sitios de vacunación operados por el condado. Las citas para todas las demás ubicaciones, como farmacias y clínicas, también están disponibles en nuestro sitio web. VaccinateLA.com sigue siendo importante para programar citas. Y para aquellos que no tienen acceso al internet, uh, tenemos un centro de llamadas. Ese número aparece en la pantalla y les pedimos a las personas que tienen acceso al internet y a una computadora que utilicen el sistema de registro en línea y no llamen al centro de llamadas. No obtendrá una cita antes si llama al centro de llamadas. Realmente necesitamos esa línea telefónica reservada para personas que no tienen una computadora o servicio de internet. Next slide, please. Como escuchamos esta semana, el gobernador Newsom ha rescindido la orden regional de más seguros en casa del estado y regresó al sistema de niveles codificados por colores para cada condado. El condado de Los Ángeles permanece en el nivel morado con la cancelación de la orden regional, la orden del funcionario de salud del condado de Los Ángeles, emitida el 25 de noviembre, ahora está en vigencia hasta que emitamos una nueva orden más adelante esta semana para alinearnos más completamente con las aperturas del sector permitidas en el nivel morado. Este gráfico muestra lo que ahora está abierto o abierto con limitaciones. Como puede ver, se permiten reuniones privadas con otros dos hogares solo en el exterior con un máximo de 15 personas. Todos los negocios que están reabriendo para actividades al aire libre tienen un límite máximo del 50% de ocupación. Esto incluye actividades al aire libre, en centros de entretenimiento familiar, salas de juego y sitios recreativos. Los servicios de cuidado personal pueden abrirse en el interior al 25% de su capacidad y todos siempre deben cubrirse la cara. 
la orden actual del oficial de salud está publicada en nuestro sitio web. El viernes publicaremos una nueva orden que permitirá que los restaurantes vuelvan a abrir con, para comer al aire libre con límites de ocupación y requisitos del uso de máscaras para todo el personal. También rescindiremos las restricciones de horas de operación para negocios no esenciales. Con el fin de evitar otro aumento en los casos que nos lleve de nuevo a más restricciones, a medida que los sectores se reabren, Recomendamos a todos a que sigan los protocolos vigentes y sigan haciendo lo que sabemos que ayudará a reducir las transmisiones, lo cual es usar una cubierta de cara, mantener la distancia física, evitar grandes reuniones y multitudes. Si tiene un alto riesgo de contraer enfermedad grave a causa del COVID-19, le recomendamos que continúe en casa tanto como sea posible. Si bien vamos en la dirección correcta, si no tenemos cuidado, todo esto puede cambiar rápidamente. Por favor, haga su parte para permitirnos avanzar con reaperturas uh, cuidadosas mientras nos mantenemos enfocados en tratar de, uh, de desacelerar la propagación. And I see that there's no Spanish questions at this time, so we'll go ahead to remarks in Armenian. Varior Bolorin. Snorakalutun Verazkit Solisin, Yev Ambot Verazkit Horotin. Verchapes, Vago, Mumvarik Samvetin. Pelarana Mektari, Yetmen Hagortetin, Los Angelos Sojanum, Covid Tasnini Arachin Depka. Aishamanakanit, Iver, Menk Akatatesengerel, Ais Coronavirus Sarsapele as the Tutana, Meshojani, Milonavur Kaikerivra. Covid Tasnina Hangetsrele Tasnehin Hazar Hoku, Vokper Kakan Mahvan Tasnak Hazarabur Martik, Paikarilen Ice Tivanuchan Dem, Yev Shatera Arochuchan Veratevakan Azil Sunerenumen, Mer Arochapakan Hamakarka, Durse Ekel Sahman Nedit. Virus Naev Batsahaitet, Los Angeles Shurjani Bnakich Nedi Shurjanum, Arochutun Hastatok Resus Nedi, Hasanelutuna, Tevakan, Anhavasarutuna, Yev Tustvets Naev, Marta Ravernere, Vorons Bachumen, Shad Bnakich Ned. Irens and Tanik Nere Pashpanelu Hamad, Inchpes Ashatank Nere Pashpanelu Chishmantak, Tantesakan Averbatutunere Tasnak Hazaravur Martik Skatsi. Aisor, virus manume yev sharnagume, varakel, hazaravur, martkans, amen or. Savaliuren, amen shapat, halume, hauravur, yanket. Chnayats, patvastanyo teri, jamanman het kapvats, huiska, vor amisner heru, miketit, yet mi bnakishneri mets masse, immunizatsvatsen, yev aishat, aggressive virusidem, kapaikarenk. Carnivor menk akankalumenk avelishat patvastanyo terunenal, menk petke sharnaken kapahovmenal, yev sharnakel amenoria kailer zernarkel, inkneres mez yev mimians paspanelu hamar. Chantrumenk misht, karek denkits atkosner, husafel havakuitnerits, papanel fizikakan heravorutun, zerkere levanal, yev papanel kanoner zernarkutunerum, yev ashatavairerum. Nerka Iravichaki Vera Berial Terekutsuner Hetevialman. 
այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 46 մահվան մասին սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 15303-ի լոս անջելոս շրջանում այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 6642 նոր դեպքերի մասին սա բերում է լոս անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 1,779,396,396-ի Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Լոնգբիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 46281 դեպքեր, իսկ Փասդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 9776 դեպքեր։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 6486 մարդ, որոնցից 25%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչություններում կայանում են քննություններ եւ 4618 հիմնարկներում։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 84891-ն են եւ ներառյալ անձնակազմ եւ բնակիչներ։ Այս դեպքերի 35390-ը բնակիչներն են, 49501-ը անձնակազմ։ Ավելի քան 5.3 միլիոն մարդ տեսավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որոնցից 19% դրական են։ Երբ խոսքը վերաբերվում է COVID-19-ի հիվանդ մարդկանց թվին, որոնք այնքան հիվանդ են, որ նրանք հոսպիտալացում են պահանջում, մենք հունվարի 8-ին հասանք գագաթնակետին։ 8000 միջին օրեկան հոսպիտալացումներ Հունվարի 21-ի դրությամբ եղել է օրեկան 7072 միջին հոսպիտալացում եւ ինչպես հաղորդել ենք վերջին օրերի հիվանդանոցներում COVID-19-ով հիվանդ մարդկանց ընդհանուր թիվը ընկել է 7000-ից ցած։ Մենք գնում ենք ճիշտ ուղությամբ, այնուամենայնիվ այս թվերը մնում են շատ բարձր եւ շարունակում են լարել առողջական համակարգը։ Մենք գիտենք, որ COVID-19-ի դրական դեպքերից 10-12%-ը կհանգնեցնեն հոսպիտալացման ուստի որքան ցածր լինի դեպքերի թիվը, այնքան քիչ մարդիկ կհայտնվեն հիվանդանոցներում։ COVID-19-ից ամենօրյա մահվան միջին թիվը գագաթնակետին է հասել ամսված սկզբին, եւ մեր վերջի տվյալները ցույց են տալիս, որ օրեկան միջինը մի փոքր իջել է հունվարի 17-ին հասնելով 162 մահվան։ Այն ամենայնիվ հաշվի առնելով, որ մենք դեռ հայտնում ենք օրվա ընթացքում ավելի քան 200 մահվան դեպքեր, եւ շատ հավանական է, որ դա շարունակվի եւս մի քանի շաբաթ։ Այս ամսված սկզբին տեղեկացրել ենք COVID-19-ից 12000 մահվան դեպքի մի կարևոր իրադարձության մասին։ Ցավալյորեն շատ ժամանակ չհապահանջվեց հասնելու 15000 մահվան սոսկալի հանգրվանին, որի մասին մենք հաղորդեցինք անցած հանգստյան օրերին։ Չնայած լիահույս, որ դեպքերը եւ հոսպիտալացումները կարող են նվազել, մենք պետք է համոզվենք այն փաստի համար, որ այս տարի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում հազարավոր մարդիկ կմահանան COVID-19-ից։ Սա ծայրաշճան մահացու վիրուս է։ Եվ մենք ճունենք չենք կարող երես թեքել դրանից ոչ հիմա ոչ հաջորդ ամիս, ոչ էլ հաջորդ մի քանի ամիսների ընթացքում։ 
այս վերուսը դեր ամեն որ ավելի կյանքեր է խոլում ուզում եմ հայտնել որ լոս անջելոս շրջանի կովիդ 19-ի պատվաստանյութերի կայքը vaccinatelacounty.com ներառյալ կալիֆորնիա նահանգի նշանակումների գրանցման նոր պլատֆորմը որը myturn իմ հերթը գրանցման համակարգն է այս լրացումը պարունակում է պարզապես գործընթաց պատվաստանյութ ստանալու իրավունք ունեցող բնակիչների համար մեր կայքում տեղադրված այս գործառությունը առավորեն թույլ է տալիս բնակիչներին իմանալ արդյոք ներկայումս իրավասուեն եւ եթե կան կարող են օգնել նրանց գտնել եւ ամրագրել իրենց տարածքում առկա նշանակումներ my turn իմ հերթը կայքը նաեւ կտեղեկացնի այն մարդկանց ովքեր զբաղացնում են ժամադրությունների բացման ժամանակ կամ երբ պատվաստումները բացվում են լրացուցիչ առաջնահերթ խմբերի համար ներկայումս my turn իմ հերթը կայքը նշանակումներ կանցկացնի մեր 5 մեծ հզորագույն կայքերին ինչպես նաև վարչաշրջանի պատվաստումների երկու այլ կայքերի համար բոլոր այլ վայրերի նշանակումները ինչպեսին են տեղատները կլինիկաները նույնիսկ հասանելի են մեր կայքում vaccinatelacounty.com-ում մնում է եւ նշանակումների մի մեկ պատուհանի պորտալ եւ նրանց համար ովքեր ինտերնետ չունեն մենք ունենք զանգի կենտրոն այդ համարը նշված է էկրանի վրա մենք խնդրում ենք մարդկանց ովքեր ունեն ինտերնետ ինտերնետի հասանելություն եւ համակարգիչ օգտվել արցանց գրացման համակարգից եւ չզանգահարել զանգի կենտրոն զանգի կենտրոնի հերախուսագիծը մեզ իսկապես անհրաժեշտ է որը վերապահված է այն մարդկանց համար ովքեր չունեն համակարգիչ կամ ինտերնետ ծառայություն սահմանափակումներ ինչպես այս առավոտ լսեցիք նահանգապետ նյուսըը չեղյալ է հայտարարել նահանգի մարզային մնացեք տանը պատվերը եւ վերադարձնել գունավոր ծածկագրված կարգի համակարգի յուրաքանչյուր շրջանի համար լոս անջելոս շրջանը մնում է մանուշակագույն մակարդակում տանը տարածաշրջանային մնալու պատվերը չեղյալ հայտարարելունպես նոեմբերի 25-ին թողարկված այժմ ուժի մեջ է միջև այս շափատվա վերջին մենք նոր հրամանը կթողարկենք մանուշակագույն մակարդակում թույլատրված հատվածային վերաբացումների ավելի լովին համապատասխանացնելու համար սահմանափակումները հետևյալն են մասնավոր հավաքույտները թույլատրվում են միայն դրսում առավելագույնը 15 հոգով բոլոր այն բիզնեսները որոնք վերաբացվում են բացօցյալ համար ունեն 50% առավելագույն զբաղվածություն սա ներառում է բացօցյալ գործողություններ ընտանեկան ժամանցի կենտրոններում սրահներում եւ հանգստի վայրերում անհատական խնամքի ծառայությունները կարող են ներսում բացվել 25% հզորությամբ եւ բոլորը միշտ պետք է կրեն դեմքի ծածկոցներ առողջապահության գրասենյակի ընթացիկ պատվերի տեղադրվածը մեր կայքում ուրբատ օրը մենք կթողարկենք նոր հրաման որը թույլ կտա ռեստորաններին վերաբացվել բացօցյալ ճաշելու զբաղվածության սահմանափակումներով եւ դիմակ կրելու պահանջներով ամբողջ անձնակազմի համար 
մենք նաև կտեղեկացնենք բիզնեսների գործողության ժամերի սահմանափակումներ որպեսի կանխենք դեպքերի հերթական աճը ինչը մեզ ավելի մեծ սահմանափակումների կբերի քանի որ հատվածները վերաբացվում են մենք խստորեն խրախոսում ենք բոլորին հետևել գործող արձանագրություններին եւ շարունակել անել այն ինչ մենք գիտենք որը կօգնի կրճատել փոխանցումները որը կրում են դեմքի ծածկոց պահպանել ֆիզիկական հերաբորություն խուսափել մեծ հավաքույտներից եւ բազմություններից եթե կովիդ 19-ով լուրջ հիվանդության ռիսկ ունեք մենք խստորեն խորհուրդ ենք տալիս շարունակել հնարավորինը ստանը մնալ միջև մեր ցուցանիշները ճիշտ ուղությամբ են ընթանում եթե զգուշ չլինենք այս ամենը կարող է արագ փոխվել խնդրում ենք արեք ձեր մասը որpiece մեզ թույլ տակ առաջարկվել զգուշ վերաբացումներով մինչև մենք մնում ենք խիստ հետևելով փորձելով շարունակել տարածումը դանդաղեցնել շնորհակալություն thank you now the remarks in korean Anyasimnika Neil Irol 26일은 LA 카운티에서 첫 COVID-19 케이스가 보고된 지 1년이 되는 날입니다. 그때 이후로 우리 카운티에서도 15,000명이나 되는 사람들이 목숨을 잃었습니다. 수천 명또 수만 명이 이 질병과 아직도 싸우고 있으며 많은 사람들이 계속 남아 있는 건강 문제를 경험하고 있습니다. 의료 서비스 시스템은 한계에 다다랐고 생명을 살리고 보호하기 위해 사업체들과 활동들을 폐쇄함으로써 경제적 타격을 받았습니다. 오늘날 바리더스는 아직도 우리와 함께 있고 계속해서 수천 명을 감염시키며 수백 명의 목숨을 앗아가고 있습니다. 백신 주사에 대한 희망이 있지만 이 바이러스에 대항할 모든 거주민들이 면역력을 갖기까지는 몇 달이 걸리게 될 것입니다. 그때까지 우리는 계속해서 우리 자신과 다른 사람들을 보호하기 위해 조심해야 합니다. 항상 얼굴 가리개를 사용하고 모임을 피하고 신체적 거리를 유지하고 손을 씻고 사업체들과 직장에서 규칙을 잘 따라야 할 것입니다. 이제 현재 수치를 알려드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 오늘 46명의 새로운 사망자가 보고되었으며 LA 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 15,303명입니다. 사망자 수가 낮은 이유는 주말 동안에 리포트에 딜레이가 있었기 때문입니다. 지난주에 약 200명의 사망자가 보고되었듯이 한동안 사망자 수는 높을 것입니다. 오늘 사망자 가운데 80세 이상은 11명, 65에서 79세 사이가 16명, 50에서 64세 사이는 9명, 30에서 49세 사이가 1명 있었습니다. 오늘 6,642명의 새로운 케이스가 보고되었으며 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 179,369명입니다. 이 수치는 롱비치에서 46,281명, 페사디나시에서 9,776명을 포함한 수치입니다. 현재 코비드19로 6,486명이 병원에 입원해 있으며 25%가 중환자실에 22%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 양성 케이스가 나온 4,618개의 거주, 비거주 시설을 조사하였으며 1,632개는 조사 중이고 2,986개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 시설에서의 총 양성 케이스 수는 84,891건이고 이중 35,390명은 거주민이며 
49,501명은 직원입니다. 오늘까지 530만 명이 코로나 테스트를 받았으며 누적 확 양, 양성 확진률은 19%입니다. 1월 8일에 7월 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수가 15,000 케이스 이상으로 최고점이었는데 1월 20일에는 평균치가 반으로 줄어서 7,328 케이스입니다. 그러나 여전히 확산은 계속되고 있습니다. 작년 여름에 1일 급등했을 때 1일 평균 케이스 수가 3,000개 이하였습니다. 물론 급등하기 전에는 새로운 케이스 수가 1,000개 이하였습니다. 우리는 계속해서 확산을 낮추어서 LA 카운티에서의 진짜 회복 단계를 향해서 가고 있습니다. 1월 20일에 평균 1일 확진률은 12.9%인데 올해 초에 20%였던 것을 볼때 이는 줄어든 수치입니다. 확진률이 줄어드는 것은 희망적이지만 여전히 너무 많은 사람들이 COVID-19에 감염이 되고 있음을 볼수 있습니다. 1월 8일에 COVID-19로 병원에 입원한 사람들의 수는 평균 8,000명이었는데 1월 21일에 평균 1일 병원 입원자 수는 7,072명이었고 최근에는 이 수가 7,000명 이하로 줄어들었습니다. 분명 우리는 올바른 방향으로 가고 있습니다. 하지만 이 수치들은 여전히 매우 높고 의료 서비스 시스템에 상당한 영향을 미치고 있습니다. 10, 모든 양성 케이스 수의 10에서 12%가 병원에 입원할 것이기 때문에 케이스 수가 내려갈수록 병원 입원자 수도 내려갈 것입니다. 1월 17일에 평균 1일 사망자 수는 162명으로 줄어들었는데 여전히 사망자 수가 200명이 넘는 날들도 많기 때문에 앞으로 몇 주간 이 수치가 계속될 것으로 보입니다. 이번 달 초에 유감스럽게도 COVID-19로 총 1만 2천 명이 사망하였음을 보고하였습니다. 또한 지난 주말에는 총 1만 5천 명이 사망하였음을 또 보고하였습니다. 케이스 수와 병원 입원자 수가 줄어들고 있기는 하지만 LA 카운티에서는 앞으로 몇천 명이 더 사망할 것임을 예상하고 있습니다. 이 비극은 우리가 바꿀 수 있습니다. 다른 사람들을 보호하기 위해 하는 모든 행동들은 사람들의 생명을 살릴 수 있습니다. 하지만 다른 사람들을 위험하게 만드는 행동들은 결국 더 많은 질병과 고통을 안겨주게 될 것입니다. 이제 백신 주사와 관련된 업데이트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 1월 12일까지 LA 카운티에서 68만 5,015개의 백신 주사가 주사를 받았으며 일주일 후에는 52만 5,000개의 백신 주사가 접종이 되었습니다. 우리가 가지고 있는 주사의 76%가 이미 사람들에게 접종되었습니다. 나머지 주사들은 카운티 전체에 200개가 넘는 장소로 이송이 되고 있는 중이며 다가오는 주말에 계속 사용될 것입니다. 우리는 카운티 내에 있는 여러 약국들과 연방 차원에서 자격이 주어진 의료 서비스 센터, 병원, 클리닉, 또 LAC와 카운티에서 운영되고 있는 여러 커뮤니티 접종 장소들에서 예약으로 접, 백신 접종을 받을 수 있도록 협력하고 있습니다. 그리하여 더 많은 백신 주사가 도착을 하면 더 많은 사람들이 접종을 받을 수 있도록 준비하고 있습니다. LA 카운티에서 코비드19 백신 웹사이트는 vaccinlacounty.com인데 캘리포니아 주정부의 새로운 예약제 플랫폼인 m y 
Return 등록 시스템을 사용하게 될 것입니다. 이 웹사이트는 거주민들이 현재 접종이 가능한지 또 가능하다면 가까운 지역에서 어떻게 예약을 할수 있는지 도와줄 것입니다. My Turn 사이트는 등록된 사람들에게 예약 날짜가 가능해지면 알람을 보내주고 추가로 백신을 맞을 수 있는 우선순위 그룹이 있을 때 알려줄 것입니다. 현재 마이턴 사이트는 5개의 큰 백신 장소뿐만 아니라 2개의 다른 카운티가 운영하고 있는 백신 장소들에서 접종을 예약할 수 있도록 마련되어 있습니다. 또한 약국이나 클리닉에서 백신을 접종받을 수 있도록 예약할 수도 있을 것입니다. 백신LACounty.com은 모든 백신 예약을 할수 있는 통로가 될 것입니다. 인터넷을 사용할 수 없는 사람들은 콜센터로 전화를 하실 수 있습니다. 인터넷이나 컴퓨터를 사용할 수 있다면 꼭 온라인 등록 시스템을 사용해 주시고 콜센터에, 콜센터에 전화를 하지 말아 주시기 바랍니다. 콜센터 전화번호는 833-540-0473입니다. 833-540-0473입니다. 콜센터에 전화를 한다고 해서 더 빨리 예약을 할수 있는 것은 아닐 것입니다. 이 전화번호는 컴퓨터나 인터넷이 없는 사람들만을 위한 것입니다. 오늘 아침에 들으셨듯이 뉴스덤 거버너는 주정부의 스테이 앳홈 명령을 폐지하였고 각 카운티에서 색깔 코드로 티어 시스템을 사용하도록 하였습니다. LA 카운티는 여전히 보라색 티어에 있습니다. 스테이 앳홈 오더가 취소됨으로써 11월 25일에 발행된 LA 카운티 보건 담당자 명령이 계속 유효하게 됩니다. 이번 주에 보라색 티어에서 허가된 사업체 명, 영업과 관련하여 새로운 명령을 발행할 때까지 그렇게 될 것입니다. 현재 소규모 모임은 새 가구들만 야외에서 최대 15명까지 허락이 되어 있습니다. 야외 활동을 위해서 여는 모든 사업체들은 최대 인원의 50%만 허락이 되고 있는데 허락된 야외 활동들은 야외 활동들 가운데는 가족 엔터테인먼트 센터, 카드 게임장, 레크리에이션 장소들이 있습니다. 개인 미용 서비스는 실내에서 최대 인원의 25%만이 영업이 가능하고 모든 사람이 항상 얼굴 가리개를 사용해야만 합니다. 최신 보건 감장자 명령은 보건국 웹사이트에 공시되어 있습니다. 금요일에 식당들이 인원을 제한하고 모든 직원들이 마스크를 착용하면서 야외에서 식사를 할수 있도록 영업을 재개하는 새로운 보건 담당자 명령을 발행하게 될 것입니다. 또한 비필수 사업체들의 영업시간을 제한하는 명령을 철폐하게 될 것입니다. 다시 케이스가 증가하는 것을 막기 위해서 영업을 재개하는 사업체들은 모든 사람이 프로토콜을 꼭 따르도록 해주시고 확산을 줄이기 위해서 할수 있는 모든 일을 해주시기 바랍니다. 바로 얼굴 가리개를 사용하고 거리 두기를 유지하고 큰 모임이나 군중을 피하도록 하는 것입니다. 만약 COVID-19로 인해 심각한 질병에 걸릴 위험이 높은 사람이라면 가능하면 계속 집에 머물러 있기를 권장드립니다. 현재 수치들이 올바른 방향으로 향하고 있기는 하지만 우리가 조심하지 않으면 급격히 바뀔 수 있습니다. 조심스럽게 영업을 재개하면서 확산을 늦추기 위해서 모든 노력을 다하시기를 바랍니다. 감사합니다. Now remarks in Chinese Mandarin. Thank you.
感谢督查委员、索尼斯律师和全体督查委员会，感谢你们领导我们抗疫，感谢你们的各种努力和付出。我们希望通过我们的共同努力结束这一瘟疫，同时我们会争取更多的疫苗。现在，请允许我为为为大家介绍抗疫的最新进展。到明天即一月二十六号，即是洛县出现第一例新冠肺炎的周年。即日那天起，我们经历了新冠肺炎给我们带来的、给我们数百万人带来的巨大冲击。这一瘟疫带着了一万五千的生命，无数人与这一瘟疫抗争，而且可能会因此留下了后遗症。我们的医护系统被推到极限，疫情也暴露了洛县内不是所有的人都具有同等的资源来对抗疫情。也有很多洛县居民必须上班，同时又要保护自己和家庭。无数的人经历了巨大的经济损失，关闭了他们的生意，减少了他们的各种其他活动。如今，病毒仍在我们之间试行，每天仍有感染成千上万的人，仍在让成百的人失去生命。尽管我们已经开始接种疫苗。但离我们大部分居民完成接种还仍需要数月，在我们等待接种疫苗时，我们仍需要保持十分谨慎，每天采取防护措施来保护我们自己，也互相保护。请您保持佩戴口罩，不要聚会，保持物理距离，勤洗手，并遵守各种场合的防疫规定。现在让我来。给大家更新相关的数据。很不幸，今天又有四十六人因新冠去世，这样洛县的总死亡人数就达了一万五千三百零三人。因周末未能及时上报，这一数字可能偏低。上星期每天平均死亡人数高达两百之多。很不幸，我们。可能会在未来数天都会面临这一高死亡数据。逝者中有十一人是八十岁以上的长者，十六人的年龄介于六十五岁到七十九岁之间，九人的年龄介于五十到六十四岁之间，一人的年龄介于三十到四十九岁之间。今天，我现今天的。六千六百四十二例新冠病例，这样让洛县总的新冠病例达到了一百零七万九千三百六十九例，其中长滩市上报的有四万六千两百八十一例，台沙丁纳市有九千七百七十六例，现有确诊新冠病患者住院人数为六千四百八十六。其中百分之二十五的人住在加护病房，而有百分之二十二的人使用呼吸机。我们已对四千六百一十八个大型住宅和非住宅机构进行了调查，这些机构均有至少一个已知新冠病毒患者。其中一千六百三十二个人才调查之中，两千九百九十六个已结束调查。这些机构包括疗养院
、辅助居住所、避难所、治疗中心、援助居住中心、教管所、非住宅机构，包括工作场所、餐饮或零售地以及教育中心。机构确诊病例总数为八万四千八百九十一例，其中居民为三万五千三百九十例，员工为四万九千五百零一例。洛县有超过530万居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中 19% 的测试呈阳性。我们现在来谈谈事发日病例数。我们的资料显示，这一数字下降趋势明显。这一数字的七天平均值在1月8号达到拐点，到达1万五千例。到一月二十号，这一数字下降到了一半，到达了七千三百二十八例。但形势仍不容乐观，传播依然严谨。相比之下，去年夏天高峰时高点在每日三千新增病例的情况下，而在夏天高峰之前，每天的新增病例少于一千。只有让洛县重新。重回以前的状况，并逐步消除，才是我们的最终目的。陈阳率，陈阳率的七天平均值显示，一月二十号陈阳率为百分之十二点九，而年初这一数字为百分之二十。陈阳率的下降表示情况在改善，但这一数字仍表示还有很多人在被感染。这一数字还不断的提醒我们。这个病例十分危险，无处不在，因此我们每个人都应该采取一切可以采取的防护措施。住院人数，住院人数的持续下降也给我们带来了一些期望。一月八号的住院人数达到了八千之多，到了一月二十一号，住院人数下降到了七千零七十二例人，最近这一数字降到了七千以下。我们正在逐步改善，但这一数字。你能给我们带来了医护系统造成了巨大的影响。新冠患者平均有百分之十到十二需要住院，所以今天的病例越少，住院需要住院的人数就会越少。死亡人数尽管死亡人数开始下降，但每天我们仍面临着大量新冠病患者去世。一月十七号，每日去世去世的人数从年初的高峰下降到了一百六十二例，但目前我们仍时有每天超过两百人的去世，这一趋势可能仍会持续几星期。这个月稍早些的时候，我提及到死亡人数达到了可怕的一万两千人，很不幸，上周末这一数字又攀升到了一万五千人。尽管我们知道。每天死亡人数会不断的下降，但今年仍会有成千的洛县居民会因新冠病毒去世。新冠病毒的毒性很强，我们绝对不能视而不见。今天、下个月或随后的数个月，我们都要正视新冠病毒，因为它每天都在夺取生命。疫苗状况更新。截至一月十二号，洛县总共收到了六十八万五千零七十五支疫苗
，一星期后总共有五十二万五千只疫苗已接种，使用率高达百分之七十六。这段时间，疫苗要么在运送途中，要么在接种过程中，全县有高达两百个接种点，当预约可以接种。预约疫苗接种，我要告诉大家，诺县的新冠疫苗接种预约的网站是 vaccinatelacounty.com。这一网站是依照州政府的新的预约平台，这个平台的名字叫 MyTurn 预约平台。这一平台可以及时让预约者知道自己是否到达了注注射。到达了接种的时间，一旦知道该系统可以让顾客快速的找到自己家附近的接种地点。对没有网络的客人，我们也有电话预约。我们呼吁所有有网络的客人尽量通过网络预约，因为把电话预约留给那些没有网络预约的，而且网络预约并不比电话预约慢。居家令限制的更新，今早上刚刚得知，州长柳生撤销了州政府的局部居家令，重新使用以颜色来划分每个县的等级的。我们县仍处在紫色等级。当州政府废除局部居家令，诺县在十月二十五号颁发的居家令就重新有效。直到这星期，新的居家令出台，我们都会依照十一月二十五号颁发的居家令形式。依据十一月二十五号的居家令，私人聚会是允许的，但不能超过三家，总计十五个人，且必须在室外。所有室外营业的限制在百分之五十的营量，包括家庭娱乐聚会、纸牌屋及其他娱乐场所。个人护理可以在室内，但不能超过百分之二十五的容量，每人必须佩戴口罩。星期五，我们将会颁发新的居家令，允许餐厅室外就餐，但容量限制和佩佩戴口罩都要有相应的要求。为了避免因重新开放带来另一波疫情的增加，我们强烈建议大家遵守每一项规定。继续坚持做我们现在所做的一切，即佩戴口罩，保持物理距离，避免群聚。如果你属高风险人群，我们强烈建议你尽可能待在家里。我们知道我们正朝着好的方向发展，但赏了我们抽心大意，我们会前功尽弃。所以，请大家和我们一起努力，在重启的路上。格外的谨慎小心。This concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov. And follow us on social media at LA Public Health. 
My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.